The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Cheers to a great day and this ice-cold Corona. You know what would make this day even better? My grandma's carne asada. Or your grandma here with us, making carne asada. She does love a cold Corona. Throw in some dancing. Oh, we can watch the game. I'll drink to that. So a backyard concert with football, food, dancing, and Corona? And your grandma. Or we could keep it simple. Simple is good. Want a Corona? Thanks. Salud to the perfect day. Corona. La vida más fina. Get your Corona at ordercorona.com. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this final Combine episode of the Roto World Football Podcast. You're most likely listening to this on Tuesday morning. I think it's Tuesday. Hopefully it's Tuesday. The world is a crazy place at the moment. Uh, my name is Josh Norris. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for subscribing. And if you're not subscribed, do so right now. I'll wait. One, two, three. And we're back. Okay. We had the defensive backs today corners and safeties as I mentioned and as Connor Orr of the MMQB pointed out there were 10 more defensive backs invited to the combine this year compared to last year and I think like 20 compared to like five or six years ago and that's just you know a sign of how the game is changing how rosters are changing and really how slot corners now are considered starters in many situations so we'll talk about defensive backs and later on I kind of want to talk about uh, the number one and number two overall picks with Saquon Barkley possibly involved and why I just don't understand that. But that's, you know, for about five or six minutes from now. For this moment, let's talk about Jordan Thomas, Oklahoma corner who had a horrible 40 time. I think it was like 466 or something like that. 464 officially. But he did something spectacular. He ran a 628 three cone time. Clearly the number one time in this crops, in this class's group. But then you go back and you check all defensive backs since at least 2006, and I really think it goes for the last 20 years. That's the best time of any corner, any safety, any defensive back. And again, 628. The next closest at his position in that time frame, a 644 by Buster Screen. So again, consider the gap in that. And then you go and look at all other positions. Jeff Mayo, you remember that wide receiver from Oregon? A 6-4-2 was previously the record, and Jordan Thomas smashed it, completely destroyed it. And then you go and look at today's three-cone times from the corners and safeties, and you see that five of the top 15 times since at least 2006 were recorded today. I'm not saying that these aren't true, that something is amiss. I'm saying the potential is there. Because that's nuts. That's bananas. Um, Just something to consider and keep in mind moving forward. Three-cone times are important. 
Um, and especially for defensive backs, corners, and safeties, and it's something that the Patriots and many, many other teams, I believe the Colts previously, factored in highly when bringing in uh, these corners. Like you see ones with certain teams where like it's fringe sixth, seventh priority free agent guys that have really good corner t- uh, three cone times. I think Justin Coleman was one from a few years ago, and how he kind of rotated from team to team that prioritized them. Uh, just something to keep in mind as we move forward. Few more corners had really great days uh, at the top. Denzel Ward and Jair Alexander. Denzel Ward didn't finish all of his workout. I don't believe he did the agility scores, but he's on track for fantastic composite scores. And then Jair Alexander from Louisville, who's kind of in that first round fringe, probably might have solidified himself thanks to a great workout in that top twenty, top twenty-five. I do want to throw four other names at you, and these were the other four that finished in that top fifteen. In three cone times, Grant Haley, the slot corner potentially out of Penn State. Avante Maddox, who's definitely a slot corner out of Pittsburgh. Uh, Troy Apke, who's a safety out of Penn State. If you've seen that video with Deion Sanders, it's absolutely hilarious after you ran a 4-3-5. And Godwin Igwabuki uh, from Northwestern, kind of a safety slot corner hybrid. Very, very interesting player. I specifically want to call attention to Haley and Avante Maddox. And Dane Cruikshank, who's out of Arizona, I believe. And Josh Kalu, Kalu, out of Nebraska. These four corners were at the East-West Shrine game. And all four really impressed me there and had had intriguing performances today. Darren, Daniel Jeremiah pointed out that Cruikshank kind of captivated the hearts of his coaches uh, at the East-West Shrine game. And they just raved about him. And I really like Josh Kalu, who has 32 and three-quarter inch arms. Played safety last season after previously playing corner, but there were plenty of one-on-one instances where Kalu, this was at East-West Shrine practices, shut down the wide receiver in the first five yards with his press, with his jam, completely stopped their momentum entirely, and then came up with the interception. Um, just And it made it look easy. And that type of thing never, ever, ever happens. To the safeties, Derwin James, I mean, top 10 pick. That's what you can say about him. Derwin James is a top 10 pick. And might have drawn now some comparisons to Eric Berry, if you remember Eric Berry coming out of school. And Justin Reed, who's another safety from Stanford. Go figure. He's kind of a Patriots-y type prospect, just with how athletic and his profile fits kind of with some previous types that they've selected. So let's close it out with this discussion many have been having all weekend that apparently Saquon Barkley multiple reports state that he is a viable option at number one. And if not, he's most likely to be the second pick in the draft. I don't get it in either instance. I understand. And I don't blame you. If Saquon Barkley is the number one prospect on your board, that's I'm not really even discussing Saquon Barkley in this instance. I'm saying that quarterback has to be, has to be the selection at number one and number two. Now, the two teams are kind of in two different places, right? Let's start off with the Browns. The Browns haven't had a quarterback since, what, like 1999, like in in 20 years. I do not understand this discussion, this conversation, this argument that, look, they should take Saquon Barkley at number one, and then number four, just take whatever quarterback is left. That doesn't work in the NFL. It doesn't happen like that in the NFL. Teams don't settle for quarterback prospects. They locate, they identify, and they find prospects that they like and that they envision their offense run by, built around the the face of their franchise, and they move on 
from there. That's what happens with quarterbacks in the top of the draft. Just look last year. I mean, did you think that the Texans were just going to sit there and stand by and wait for Deshaun Watson to get to them? Nope. They traded a future first. Same thing with the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Previously, it was Jared Goff with the St. Louis slash LA Rams and Philadelphia and Carson Wentz, right? You envision your franchise with a specific quarterback when you need one when you enter the draft, and that's the one you can take. You can't say, okay, we kind of like Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. So whichever one or two or three are left at number pick number four, that's the one we're going to take. Again, it doesn't work in that regard. Identify the one that you like, and if they are good enough that you think that you should select them at number four, then they're good enough to select at number one. Like It just blows my mind that that's a possibility. But it would be great television because it's the opposite of what Sashi Brown and the former Browns decision makers would do. In the way that they play the game, quote-unquote, they would not prioritize a running back with a top five, top ten selection. Absolutely would not do it. Now, let's go over to the New York Giants at pick number two. I understand that Dave Gettleman took a running back in the top ten last year when he's trying to transform the Panthers' offense. And now, maybe he'll try to do that with the Giants with Eli Manning at the helm. I know these talks that Eli might play another two, three, four, five years, whatever it is. But you have to look at it this way. The goal is to never be in a position to pick in the top five or top ten again. So now that you are in that spot to land, potentially, the quarterback that you want, and you can even trade up to number one if if there's absolutely the only one that you want, you have to take that shot. This is exactly what the Eagles did. You remember when they drafted Carson Wentz? I believe they started at like pick number 12, then made that deal to move up to pick number eight, and then made another deal to move up to pick number two. Because they told themselves, we don't want to be picking in the top 12, top 10 again for the next 10 to 15 years, right? So since we're this high up, let's make it worth it. Let's make it count. Let's go find our guy at quarterback. The Giants should do the exact same thing. And sure, there's going to be a conversation now while Dave Gettleman's what, like 65 years old? He might only have a four to five year window, so he wants to win now. No, you need to leave your lasting mark in the franchise, right? And the lasting mark in this franchise would be selecting the quarterback after a two-time winning Super Bowl quarterback in Eli Manning. You can build up the roster outside of just adding a running back or maybe even Bradley Chubb at pick number two. You need to select a quarterback at both pick number one and pick number two in these two instances, despite them being different. Hopefully that made sense. Kind of ramble. But we'll discuss it much more as we go along the process. And be sure to check in with this podcast and subscribe, rate, and review. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the support during draft season. And I will leave you as the train is passing here. It's only fitting for me to do that. So I'm Josh Norris. Check out RotoWorld.com, RotoWorld Football Podcast, RotoWorld Draft Section. And I'll talk to you all soon. See ya. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave.